0: I am not your rolling wheels, I am the highway. This is not just another fitness podcast. Why? I touch on subjects that not only have I experienced, but most likely you or a person you know has probably experienced it as well. I created the Me Movement on the Mic to provide you with relatable content and information on areas of movement, mindset and health. I'm on a mission to help you filter through life, to help you break free of the fitness stereotypes and embrace you while still enjoying a gelato or two. So join me, Sally, and let's get this episode started. Hello, Zoya, but I have to to introduce you with your full like, name like Dr. Zoya. Don't worry about your last name, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not discrediting the last name, but the doctor thing is pretty full on.
1: Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Um, Welcome. I became a doctor last year sometime and I'm still, still getting used to it. So, yeah, yeah it's a pretty cool title.
0: <laughs> the next, the next question is for, um, I feel ashamed for a Middle Eastern person, but can you tell me how to pronounce your
1: surname? Well, to be fair, it's not a Middle East last name at all, so it's, you don't have to feel ashamed at all. It's Pushcha, Pushcha. I knew it was
0: like something else. Like yeah, I knew it wasn't no. for its literal um, lettering, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Trying to yeah. Uh, sound Phenetical. it out. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so – how are you been? How are you going? I know you've been really busy. Last time I met in person, you were um in Sydney, and now where are you? Tell me a little bit about your, you know, the last time we met,
1: and yeah, I mean, I was thinking about how long ago that was, and it's seven years ago, like <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so much has happened, like lots of good things, lots of really bad things too. Um, so I guess you know, seven years ago when we met. Uh, I had just finished my Master's of Nutrition and Dietetics. Um, and the person that I was with at the time um, moved to Sydney for work. So I moved up with him. Um, ended up joining, you know, some sports teams. and That's how I met you, um, just to make some friends. It's hard to make friends as an adult sometimes. Um, yeah, and from there, uh, that relationship didn't really work out. Um, I unfortunately had quite a few family deaths um, that were quite significant um, that really rocked my world as as you can imagine i'm sure um but through all of that um you know i kind of i started strong men or strong woman training um that kind of you know that i guess lean into strength training was a really important in part of my healing process i think um you know building building that armor that physical armor but then you know also allowing myself to kind of I guess go through those emotions as well um so went through that I ended up studying again so I went and did my honors year because I knew I kind of wanted to get into research um all while I was working as a dietitian during that time uh eventually did my PhD so started that I think four years ago finished that last year um now i really i work as a researcher so um work as a researcher and also coach do nutrition coaching with um fortitude nutrition as well so a bit of um bit of my fingers in every pie there so yeah that's kind of really what's happened (laughs) in the last seven
0: years that's amazing i just have to say that i was terrible at I didn't even know what it is, American football. I couldn't even catch the ball, like <laughs> gridiron. Gridiron. That's it. Going from like bodybuilding to catching a ball, athletics. It's just uh, my brain was mush. Plus, I was trying to compete back then. Um, but you know, you you were like so like great hand eye coordination. Everything was. Are oh, you think so? Yes. And I <laughs> like, oh, I can't catch the ball, but insane that you know um, you've had such a difficult and challenging journey, but you've almost like upped it with the amount of studies that you've been telling me. Like yeah. on one hand, you've got all these personal struggles and, you know, um, obstacles. And on the other hand, you've got all this study. Like how did you go juggling all that?
1: I mean, to be fair, I, I wonder how much, you know, burying yourself into some work and studying is actually just, you know, trying not to deal with those things that are happening. And absolutely would agree with, you know, that being the case. Um, but you know, everyone deals with situations like that differently, and I've definitely dealt dealt with it. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, I, I love studying, I love learning, and that's always been part of who I am, even since I was a, a child. If you ask anyone in my family apparently I always used to come home with new facts every day, like from primary school. Um, so yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to go into research and down that path. So that did require a lot more study, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with where I've gotten so far. Um, and the area of research, you know, that I'm in is, you know, I live and breathe it. It's all about strength training. It's all about muscle. It's all about how to get stronger. It's about supplementation. Um, So, you know, me competing in Strong Woman and then doing it, knowing the nuances of the science at the finer detail, you know, really goes hand in hand. So, yeah, like I said, I live and breathe all of that. So, yeah, it's my passion.
0: So if anyone is listening, and I hope there are people (laughs) listening, um, um, Dr. Zoya's got her research background. She's a sports dietitian. She's a strong man performance dietitian. I mean, you've got all these you know aspects of your education down and it's amazing so tell me like you said that you were a kid and you'd love to 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 pull out some facts like why sports and health and fitness um
1: yeah that's a good question i think you know i always gravitated towards i was always active as a kid so you know i grew up in a family that everyone was really active and i you know, my sister, you know, played basketball, got a scholarship in America. My other sister was really athletic as well. Um, they also have different dads, so they were about, you know, a foot taller than me. So I'm five foot seven, so they're almost six foot. Um, so they had a lot of natural athleticism. So I think I always felt like I had to catch up. So I worked really hard as a kid to kind of push myself to become athletic. How athletic I was, I mean, that's to be debated. But you know, I. I did a lot of sports as a kid, and then in my early 20s, I really fell in love with CrossFit, um, so competed in that. So I have this tendency to, when I do something, when whatever sport, I have to get to the best level and compete and, you know, push myself, and that's been the case in everything I've done. So, you know, CrossFit, um, I then, you know, did gridiron. So we met, but then I ended up joining a full kit team and played gridiron. It was a running back there, got absolutely smashed because I don't know if you remember, but running backs are the ones that get given the ball. So I would get pummeled all the time. So I had to learn how to take a tackle, um, which was great. And then got really injured doing that, of course. Um, and that's where I kind of fell in love with strongmen. Um, you know, cause I always was really naturally good at strength training. So to compete at that, you know, in that type. of sport was really great and I the challenging and you know you can rock up to a comp and it, you have a mystery event and you have no idea what it's going to be until you get there so I like that um, mystery behind it you know to kind of be really good at everything to kind of throw yourself out there so yeah I guess that's That's
0: where it came from. Ah, amazing. And um, flicking through your Instagram page, you're quite a colourful character. And I think, (laughs) in a good way, colourful is different. Um, And I really enjoy reading the posts about your heritage and your background and the food associated with it. Tell tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, my mum... Is Macedonian, so she was born there, came over, which was, I think, a teenager, yeah, late teens, early 20s. Um, My dad's side is Russian, uh, but he was born here, um, but grew up with very, very Russian parents that, you know, fled fled the war, were captured in working camps and, you know, came straight after the war, um, but, you know, really made a life for themselves here, but brought with them their food and their culture and um, you know my Russian grandparents are actually very open about food so they back in the 90s I remember my grandma making kombucha like she was you know ahead of the curveball <laughs> there um, and then my Macedonian side I had a really deep connection with my grandmother around cooking and food um, so you know Macedonian food is very influenced by turkish food so it's, there's lots of similarities in terms of the food there um but you know grew up making pastries bread um you know macedonian hearty dishes that sort of thing and i'm sure it's a similar thing for you um you know food is more than just calories it's we use it to celebrate we use it to commemorate we you know when you go to your mum's house you know you can't eat beforehand (laughs) otherwise you're going to get fed that sort of thing so yeah I mean that is part of your identity as well so yeah that's and I think that heritage and that background really helps me you know connect with clients and um you know when I make meal plans for clients, it has to be delicious. It has to be something that you're gonna eat and love and enjoy eating because you know it's not gonna be sustainable otherwise. And I really thank my heritage for that. But hang so, on, yeah.
0: hang on a second. How do we <laughs> into this like weight loss uh, social media wave? Like how are you fitting in here when you're seeing like flicking through a feed or flicking flicking through I think I saw it on TikTok it was some kind of miracle juice. How do you fit into that? And, you know, why are you so different? And, and how do you deal with people that go, Hey, I'm just going to buy this, um, you know, vinegar slash lemon and olive oil cayenne pepper juice. That's dramatically made me shrink a size in 30 days
1: and go. Well, I don't fit into that. That's probably the first answer to that. Um, You know, my background is dietetics, sports diet. I'm a sports dietitian, so we are evidence based. So, you know, we we do use the latest evidence to then apply that to our clients and to make sustainable changes. And you know, at the end of the day, for me, when I work with clients, it's stripping it back and working out what is the most sustainable thing for them. And it's you know, if you're familiar with James Clear, Atomic Habits, you know, it's that's probably the best way of going about it. it's you know those small sustainable steps that you can do every day um that can accumulate to make you know a healthy lifestyle so it's not an all or nothing approach I'm not about that at all um it's about you know when I work with clients it's so individual so if a client wants to count calories and I think that that's appropriate for them then sure like let's work around that because there's benefits for that you know you learn about portion sizes you learn about um you know calorie dense foods that sort of thing but you know there's other ways to lose weight without doing that as well and i think that's really important a lot of people need to understand that as well and it's really about getting the basics right i think is the biggest thing you know six percent of the australian population eat the recommended serve of vegetables but let's start there Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's normally the starting point Mm -hmm. so yeah it's i i have a very um I don't like to use the word holistic because it that's so destroyed by influencers, but it is holistic in a way that it is individual to that person and it's it's sustainable for them and it's not creating pressure and it's allowing it's educating them, it's empowering them, it's it's all those things rather than just giving them a cookie-cutter approach to to whatever diet. But unfortunately, a lot of clients come to me wanting those juice cleansers or wanting something that's a quick fix so it's about that education and I guess setting that um expectation right at the start
0: Mm. and what's the kind of main thing that you the main thing that you constantly see from clients that keep coming in like you said six percent of Australia's population aren't consuming (laughs) enough vegetables is that the main kind of like um problem that you kind of see with people? Is it a mindset shift or is it, you know, they've had a bad experience in the past with a trainer who's given them a meat and three veg kind of diet or bodybuilder diet?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I probably wouldn't say there's one main thing, but there's probably like, let's say top three. So the first one would be that all or nothing mindset. So yeah, like you said, you know, getting a, a meal plan from a a bodybuilder and expecting to eat broccoli rice and chicken every day and you know if they don't stick to that um then they feel like a failure and then they will cycle and then you know um relapse and then binge eat and it creates all this diet cycle that is not sustainable for them so it's that mindset of switching it from an all or nothing approach to you know what's one thing that I could do better today or you know something's better than nothing or you know what are the things that I can do that are in my control that I can actually do and based on my lifestyle and how busy I am you know it might be okay I'm gonna to have to buy packets of um salad mix because I've got kids and I'm busy with work but that's a good way to get veggies in so it's you know using that the second um, is probably, you know, not understanding what the basics are and a lot of clients don't really get what healthy eating actually is because their idea of healthy eating, um, if I use that same example of chicken, broccoli and rice, that, that's normally what their idea is of healthy eating is um, compared to Well, you can actually have a chicken sandwich or even a ham and cheese toasty and that can still be healthy. Um, So it's creating and understanding and educating what healthy is and what that means to them. Um, And then the third one um, is probably um, uh, willingness to change. So I get a lot of clients and I'm seeing this a lot, um, especially in my um, female clients where they'll eat perfectly you know they'll eat really well but they are not kicking the alcohol habit they just cannot they can't do it and it's that readiness to change that readiness to give up that that alcohol and it's not necessarily giving it up at all and it really kind of circles back to that all or nothing approach it's like well I have to cut out all my alcohol to be good yeah, I want to touch of-
0: on that alcohol because I had, like, I'm not an alcohol person. I prefer to have gelato. That's me. That's just my thing. You know, I would perfectly skip, you know, a cocktail or drink. Um, but you know, I've had a few people that have, have would not would not compromise that bottle of wine and probably did underreport all of that. Oh yeah, every time massively and wonder why they they wouldn't change. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't admit it, admit, <clears throat> that's the first thing, because you have to admit it if you want change, right? Um, but why aren't, why are we drinking more? Do you know why? I don't know what the statistics are. And the other question to that is, um, why aren't we aware of the basics, <laughs> Like really, like your mum and your grandparents would know, hey, if I drink too much, it's probably not that good for me and I should be eating my (laughs)
1: vegetables, right? Yeah, so if we touch on the alcohol first, so there's a few things here. Um, I read a stat a while back that Australia is actually the the highest consumer of alcohol, like the um, English-speaking country, of English-speaking countries. So I think Russia might be, definitely tops us but in terms of english speaking as a main language we're one of the highest if not the highest so they're firstly we have a cult culture we have a drinking culture that's that's very different to the rest of the world so i grew up with russian grandparents right they no joke did shot like maybe three or four shots of vodka with their dinner they lived into their they were 99 like they they lived a really healthy life mind you their shots of vodka were probably the quarter of the size that we normally God, the, yeah. of a normal shot glass, and they never ever ever drank when they did not eat. So they always drank while they ate. So that's that's a cultural difference I've noticed. Yeah, we have ada.
0: We have ada. It's called ara It's uzo. It's like uzo. Oh, okay, it's yeah. probably like
1: rakia. Yeah, yeah,
0: and like we that. have it yeah. like yeah. traditionally. You have it with when you have raw liver. Ah. maybe it's just to kill the bacteria i don't eat it but my dad <laughs> yes. he's passed away now He used to apparently i used to eat it when i was little he used to sit there with a the very good quality raw liver i think chop it up. i think we all did don't salt worry, pepper I I did too. <laughs> veggie, veggies on the side you got to have the veggies and the the ara, which is you know the which is like rakia or uzo. yeah yeah
1: yeah so it's, and see like it's a cultural difference of you eating while, drinking while you're eating. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is um, the a lot of people use it as a numbing tool. Um, so, you know, you get home at the end of the day and instead of winding down using other coping mechanisms, you drink, a, you know, a glass of wine, which then ends up being two, which ends up being three or whatever it is, and then it ends up being this habit and it's numbing those emotions. And when you're tired and your brain has no capacity to think, that's easy because that's a habit you've just formed. So it's that, that's breaking the habit. And the third thing is um, I think that there is this underlying alcoholism within women that is accepted. And I use that with quotation marks um, that, you know, no one would look twice. Or, you know, people joke about, you know, mummy juice or um, have you heard of mummy juice? No, never. Oh, it's like, it's like, it's like mums getting drunk at lunchtime while they like play while they have play dates with their kids. Um, So there's, it's that and that it's that's accepted. And also, you know, they're drinking wine over beer and not going out to the pub and it's at home. So it's like this weird thing that it's almost like this 1950 um, something housewife Going yeah that. and it's yeah and it's it's so under the radar that it's becoming dangerous and it's you know I don't know if you saw a while back there was an Instagram post of um, an Instagram page and it was actually a campaign against alcoholism and in every photo there was a girl and she had held it had a drink in her hand and she was like you know partying at like really beautiful locations and you know really nice photos but not once did someone ask you know are you okay you're drinking you have a drink in your hand every time so it's this again this cultural thing that it's normal it's fine so they're yeah they're the three things that I think they are Um, I'm sure there's research at it but you know that's kind of what I think it is
0: and and it's a massive thing too, especially with um breast cancer. I think there's a direct yeah. correlation between there's a huge
1: link, yeah. a, uh,
0: alcohol consumption and women who have you know breast cancer.
1: I actually read a stat, and it's um two to three standard drinks a day can increase your risk of breast cancer by thirty percent. That's a lot.
0: That's massive, and and you know, and I haven't even spoken about um you know if you've got a family history. Yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. my mum had it last year and, um, you know, we don't have a family history or anything like that, but it's scary. And she's like 80, obviously age, it, it matters in terms of recovery. But if you know that there's something that you can do just a little bit to prevent it, you know, it'll make a bit massive difference. Massive. And look, the thing is, I
1: love wine. Like you probably can't see it, but behind me, I've got a wine fridge. So I'm like legit Really serious about my wine. But it is about, you know, finding those times that are appropriate and, you know, not using it as a numbing tool and using it as, you know, when I have friends over and we're having a dinner, it's like sharing that experience of having a really nice bottle of wine. Um, and then I, you know, nerd out about the where it's from and like what tastes like, what the notes are, like that sort of thing. So it's it's like you know, when you have an indulgence, I'm so sure with your gelato, it's it's being mindful of it.
0: Yeah. And it's like a ceremony. Like there's there's like you, you smell it and you appreciate it and you exactly. look at it. And it's so many different layers rather than just gorging and just drinking, open your gullet and drinking the whole bottle. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So I like the topic or the, the, the term you use like numbing. People numb. Right, you come home. You've had a big day. You have a glass, a couple of. Little, it's normal. COVID. What do you do? You're in your pajamas. How how do you know you're numbing?
1: Yeah, that's um, that's a question. <laughs> um, I think it takes a lot of self reflection for people. Like, I don't want to go too much into this because it's really an area of psychology. But um, it does take a lot of reflection to kind of work out why it's, it's asking yourself why am I having this drink right now you know is it because I actually like the taste and I, I'm, I'm enjoying it or is it because I've had a hard day at work and you know I just I need something to kind of forget about the day yeah. and look it's fine to do that occasionally but when that becomes your only method of, co- of coping that's when it's that's when you know you slip into a problem and it could potentially become alcoholism um so yeah, it's asking why, why am I having this right now? And look, it's, it's the same as food, people numb with food as well. It's not just alcohol. Um, and it is, you know, stepping up, stepping back. I, I use um, the HALT method with my clients. So, you know, before you consume, whether it's alcohol or food, you know, you ask yourself HALT. So it's an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So you ask yourself, am I hungry? Do I actually have physiological hunger right now? Or is it emotional hunger? Um, then A is, am I angry? You know, am I feeling upset? Am I am I doing this to numb that emotion? Lonely, which, I mean, we've just gone through COVID, everyone's experienced some form of loneliness, whether it's isolation or, you know, not being able to see your loved ones, um, you know, numbing because of that and tired. You know, when we're tired and sleep deprived, we're going to, you know, reach for foods that, reach for more foods. We're going to eat a lot more because our hunger hormones are all over the place. So it's it's stepping back, taking that moment, and you know, look, using that acronym.
0: That's amazing. That's so good. Like I think I do it sometimes when I, when I, I, I'm in a bad habit, um, I just go. Mm, is, I can't remember what the science is, but. You know, when you consume something, you're finished eating and is there's some kind of lag between food reaching the gut and then the brain going, mm, I'm full because I always go, yeah. just wait a couple of minutes, just wait, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it takes um 15 minutes for the signals between your stomach and your brain to, to connect. So, um, yeah, the hormone you're thinking of is leptin. So that's a hormone that makes you feel satisfied um, after eating. And that's also the hormone that is quite suppressed when you have sleep deprivation as well. So you don't feel as satisfied eating because you're tired and you're not producing as much leptin.
0: Wait, are you saying that sleep is important?
1: Yes. (laughs) Why is
0: it so hard for everybody to accept that? Do you find that, that that's one of the little basic things that you've kind of, you've mentioned vegetables, we need to know. We need to have yeah. the veggies. The bait—that's one of the basics. I'm, I'm, I'm connecting the dots here. Uh, Alcohol—don't have too much. Yeah. Have some food with it. That's another thing. And um, you know, this this last bit—like, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. So I can't remember exactly what the term is called, but there's almost this um procrastination, sleep pro- pro- procrastination. That's what it's called when people are um kind of prolong the time for them to actually go to sleep. And it's this idea that you're going to miss out on something, um, you know, you whether it's emails or, um, you know, watching that, that next Netflix show, or whatever it is, it's, you know, it's just habit and routine and it's, it's building that and it's valuing sleep and it's, you know, understanding the importance of sleep and become and creating a ritual around it is so important. So, you know, have, have your phone switch off. It's, 8pm or whatever time in at least an hour before bed you know dim the lights get that melatonin up um you know read a book before bed whatever it is but creating a ritual for yourself to kind of get that sleep because yeah sleep deprivation is a, a really should it's not just diet and lifestyle you know sleep deprivation can be a cause of a lot of mental health issues as well so
0: yeah definitely and uh what's that probably a meme or something going around like if you're not sleeping well it's like
1: you're, you're drunk you're day drunk oh yeah it's I've heard, it's not even a meme there's a study on that um where, where they um got groups that were sleep, depra- deep, uh, sleep dep- deprived sleep oh, deprived tongue-tied um and got them to do a driving test and it was they their reflexes were just as bad as blowing over like being drunk drunk driving so
0: yeah it's not great I, I kind of liken it when I used to go out back in the days when there were clubbings there was clubs you could actually go out and dance and then the next day because I only had like four hours sleep I was like so slow I'd go for the high calorie dense food yeah Macca's was on the list all that stuff and I couldn't quite hit that mark unless the next day like that night I would sleep And feel a bit more refreshed the next day. And that's going out and partying. Imagine if you do that practically every day.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) How is the body supposed to function? I mean, it doesn't. It eventually
1: breaks down. It's you'll feel crap and yeah, things that eventually, you know, start don't start what you probably don't even know how sleep reprived you are until you actually get a good night's sleep.
0: Yeah. And Does it affect your digestive
1: system? I'm actually not too sure if there's any research on that. I'm sure it does um, because there's a lot of research coming out now with um, circadian rhythms. So it's about your body clock and how that affects um, your hormones as well. So it can affect insulin, um, so the way that you digest sugars. Um, So there were studies done in shift workers so shift workers are much more likely, the ones that do night shift are much more likely to gain weight and uh, have a higher risk of developing diabetes and obesity than people that aren't shift workers. And it's all to do with that circadian rhythm and, um, you know, I guess sleep deprivation and that chronic sleep deprivation. Um, and yeah, just not, um, your, your body clock's so out of whack. So even if you're not, a, um, a shift worker and you're still having a lack of sleep, you know, your body clock is still out. So it's, you know, creating that that um, balance.
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes you can't help it. As you said, there's shift workers, you've got mothers with newborn babies. How would you, like, what are your top three tips for people who aren't really sleeping well, but want to lose weight? It's 2022. I want to get into a good habit. What are your top three tips that you can give the listeners to to get them not motivated, just on the right path from your In general or for, yeah. or for sleep?
1: Let's go for sleep. Well, if you think about the hierarchy of nutrition and the importance of, you know, in order of importance, sleep is really at the bottom. It's the base. It's the base of that. So you've got sleep being the base. You've got exercise. You've got um Mental health, and then you also have nutrition. So, without sleep, those pillars can't stand. So, you have to create that foundation of sleep because that's where your body recovers. That's where your body um, regenerates for the next day. Um, it affects your mood, it affects everything. So, if you get that basic base right, then you can start really focusing on those pillars of nutrition, mental health, and exercise. But I guess, um, you know, three tips for improving sleep, you know, as I said, that routine, creating that routine for yourself, whatever that might be. And within that, you know, not looking at your phone, um, dimming down the lights and, um, you know, even trying a melatonin supplement if that's something that you need to do, um, that can be really beneficial to kind of get your body clock back on track. You know, it's something that I recommend to athletes that are, traveling when they go across um time zones and it's really effective for that um but initially it could can also help people um but yeah those those are the three main ones yeah you
0: talk about routine tell me about your routine what is your day comprised of and you know what are you eating i saw your whose food was that what am I, I saw this on instagram what's that is that burdock or something Oburek, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like the te- oh, tell the, us what it is because
1: I love that stuff. The round one is called musnik, actually. Um, so that's just like a phyllo pastry and it's kind of done in spiral. It's got carbs it's got in fetishes, it, Zoya. What are you doing? Come on. Lots of carbs, delicious carbs, <laughs> um, carbs alive. Um, so we use – that's a, um, a once-a-year treat for us. So that's something we make for New Year's. So we will hide a coin – There'll be a slice for each person in the family and spin it. And then whoever gets the coin gets good luck for the rest of the year. So that's kind of a yearly tradition that I don't even worry about those calories because it's once once a year that I eat that awesome. sort of pastry. I think I've had so that tray great. once On my own, I think. <laughs> I'm sure. Look, I definitely eat more than, than probably one slice, too. Um, but OK, so you asked about routine. Yes. My routine. So um, I'm an early bird. So I normally get up in the morning. I will walk my dog. I've been doing a lot of training with him, actually. So I do a little bit of obedience training. Then I'll go to the gym. I'm kind of switching between weight training and kind of cardio. I know it's like the devil word for weight trainers, but I'm just trying to be like a bit of an all-rounder person now. Um, I'll go to work pretty much most of
0: my day. What are you eating? Uh, go to work.
1: Tell me what your day is. What am I eating? eating? Yeah,
0: if you want to get into the knit um, and grit, that's the best thing. In,
1: so in summer, I, I normally offer smoothies. Um, so heaps of fruit. Um, I do put, pop in protein powder. Like it's probably protein powder and creatine, are like the only supplements I take. Um, do that. So at the moment, I'm really enjoying mango, banana, um, and vanilla that's great snacks I I sometimes snack it's it depends on my how hungry I feel yeah so if I snack I normally have yogurt um like a yo like a high protein yogurt veggies I do a lot of veggies like eat heaps of veg heaps of fruit um a muesli bar just like a carmen's muesli bar i normally have a carmen's muesli bar in my bag all the time i actually don't like them at all like they're not my favorite um but it's a food that does the job <laughs> it's like if you're hungry you'll eat it so i always have a carmen's muesli bar in my bag. I, yeah muesli bars are a bit overrated um for lunch i've just been having like set sandwiches like chicken sandwiches tofu um Sometimes leftovers, breakfast and lunch is very consistent. Dinner is like where it's at. We, we plan our dinners um, and we have quite um, varied dinners. We'll always have very different ones. So tonight we're having uh, Moroccan kyofta meatballs with couscous. Um, then we will have like fish one, one or two days a week. Um, we do a vegetarian dish one or two days a week. Um, so it varies. Our dinners are like a lot of varieties all based on season. So what's in season, what looks good. Um, and we kind of do follow a formula with dinners. So we might have, we'll have red meat one day a week, veggie two to three days a week, fish, um, you know, two, two days a week, and then the rest will be something else random. So that's not like how we do it.
0: So that sounds very, um, very different, very eclectic, very busy in a good way. What would you say to someone who's not really a cook, doesn't cook, can't be bothered, um they've been on a diet before and it's the meat and veg and you got to cook, you got to cook these meals, right? What would you say to someone who's uh doesn't cook, can't cook?
1: I think that
0: Is it a bad thing? Are they going to be shamed?
1: Are we going to shame them on this no, show? No, absolutely not. I don't think um it's a shameful thing at all, but I do think that cooking is such a life skill. Like you, you have to know how to cook, whether it's the most basic you know pasta sauce um or just like a chicken salad or whatever's easy um start small so you know pick a dish that is something that you get really excited about and then you know make it a few times Spaghetti. and like, try to master it whatever it is it can be pasta every night if you want um but i think that yeah learning how to cook is it's important it's it's a skill nutrition is a skill you, you know it's you can't just you know not have the knowledge like you can't um just do it and not expect to have to learn some things or develop some skills yeah definitely um yeah. so definitely keeping it basic basic is important. basic
0: yeah and that's not a bad thing because you got to have that foundation right
1: yeah and like you said with you know if they're just having meat and three veg in the same dinners start by you know introducing one thing something new just one new thing whether it's a different type of grain whether it's a different type of vegetable, whether it's a different type of meat, you know, or a different technique of cooking that meat, you know, just mix, try one thing, see how you go, build confidence, and then, you know, slowly start from there. I wanted to
0: talk to you about this topic that keeps coming up and I'm seeing it in in TikTok especially. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but there's a lot of shaming online. And I feel mm. like TikTok is massive. Like, you, I, I follow this uh, model. She's a plus-size model. Tessa, I think Tessa or Teresa, red hair, gorgeous. But people feel the need to say, you're fat and you're overweight, which means you're unhealthy, like straight mm-hmm. up in the comments. I know that... You know, obviously, you can't speak about your clients. That's, you know, that's a personal thing. But have you ever come across that? And have you ever come across it in social media where you are taken aback? And can you judge someone purely on how much they appear to look, how big or small they are?
1: Like, clinically, can
0: you say, hey?
1: No, absolutely not. Because. So, why do we we do it? Why do people do it? It's diet culture, really. It's you know, there's this idea that, you know, you can be healthy at any size. You know, we all, it's genetics, you know, it's, you know, I, I will store extra body fat on my thighs and legs and butt. Like, that's just the way I'm wired. Like, it's just, and some people might do it on their stomach or their arms or whatever it is. And, you know, if we come back to health at every size, clinically, someone can be overweight or obese but actually have, you know, perfectly fine cholesterol, no risk of diabetes, um, you know, very active as well and, you know, healthy and don't have what we call those cardiometabolic risk factors. So, you know, risk factors of heart disease and, um, yeah, pretty much heart disease. So by looking at someone, absolutely not. And um, I was actually going to do a post on this, but I'll talk about it now because body composition is such... You know, body fat is such a poor indicator of health. You know, does it measure how athletic you are, how fit you are, how, um, uh, I guess, strong you are either? And I'll use an example that I, you know, recently came across. Um, I, last week I did my DEXA training course. So um, to take DEXA scans, which is, you know, a way to measure body composition. And I did, I got a scan myself and my body fat came up as 30%. was like, Oh shoot. Like that's a lot of body fat. Like that took me aback. Um, but you know, if I strip it back and have a look at it, it's like, Oh, actually I have no visceral fat. So that's fat around your organs that, you know, increases your risk of cardio like metabolic risk factors or diabetes. Um, I'm also really strong. Um, I'm also really fit. Um, so really my body fat percentage doesn't matter and then the same week i actually did a bia scan so you know you, you can do those in the gym and that came up as 20 20 body fat so like such a big variation <laughs> and people hold on to body fat so much um as a idea of health and being perfect i guess and like being ideal and it's such you know it's such an arbitrary measure of health because really the, the most accurate way to measure your body fat is through cadavers so like dead bodies like cutting up dead bodies so it's it shouldn't be an indicator of your health at all do you feel like it's worse for females oh absolutely yeah oh I'm, I'm not just, I wouldn't say worse. I would say different. different. How so? Different. Well, because men still experience body dysmorphia and uh, I guess, you know, feelings of inadequacy of their bodies, um, whether it's, you know, not being lean enough, not being muscular enough, not being tall enough. God, so many men get shit for not being tall enough. Um, so it's different um, to females because, you know, females, I think um we've been pummeled from very young ages to look a certain way you know back in the 90s all those really skinny models were you know the ideal things are changing slightly but still social media is a highlight reel and it's not a real realistic representation of people's bodies and what they actually look like so
0: yeah that totally makes sense especially about um, women being pummeled, pummeled through the media at a very young age. Even by schools and other females, it's, always, it's almost like it was a normal kind of cycle that you went through. Um, you know, I just wanted to touch on one more thing. Um, you've got a lot of experience. Obviously, you've studied a lot. you have taken a lot of time to perfect your craft. And again, always go back. Then there's the social media bikini models that come on and are selling a product and they've got a million or so followers. Does that ever, I don't want to say irk you, uh, disappoint you, or do you feel sometimes like the urge of like commenting and be like, that's not right?
1: Look, I try to stay out of it. (laughs) I try to stay out of it. And I try to make my page hopefully something that people go to and they know it's valid information you know, it's been researched. It's evidence-based. I'm not going to, I don't sell steak oil. I don't, I don't know if you can tell, but I don't have lip fillers. So I don't, I don't sell products to profit from and, you know, actually being as a dietitian, there's a lot of things we can't do. So we're not even allowed to do testimonials. Um, otherwise we can lose our dietetics wow. license oh. um, because that's technically not evidence-based. Um, so, you know, I'm, as much as i would love to you know sell a supplement and make heaps of money it's it's not ethical for me and it's you know not within my morals and those people can do those things and that's fine um it's i mean it's not fine because it also can be dangerous in some ways but i just try to focus on what i'm doing and put out quality information and, and be that reliable source for people to follow me
0: yeah and that's i think that's very, very noble of you because it's very easy to put a comment on someone's page and say, hey, you're talking about being confident and being positive and earning yourself but obviously you've done a before and after picture and you've had multiple surgeries or what have you and that's that's fine but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's good to see the journey because the reader then goes, oh, I think I'm inadequate because I don't look like that. And yeah. I wanted to just do this podcast and make that comment, um, just to say that there are pages out there that do uh, are selling snake snake oil, you know. And your page is one of the, is not that page, <laughs> but it's so good <laughs> because it's honest, it's um, informative, it's science based, and um, yeah. I just wanted to close that out by saying just you know it's it's so good to see the growth and especially since you know you've had a lot going on I've been been watching it and um, yeah just wanted to say thank you for um, holding that torch well thank you very much
1: for
0: that compliment <laughs> no it's nice it's nice it's it's nice to see that and I just wanted to, to say that to you anyway cool yeah. You. but thanks so much for coming on it was a last minute thing we did make it in time if everyone wants to jump on and have a look at it's dr zoya i'll put the link in you can have a look she's very entertaining not as entertaining as me but she'll get there eventually definitely not <laughs> um, thank you so much and um i'll see you soon thank you very much Thank you for listening to my episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it will be greatly appreciated if you have a spare 60 seconds to put a review on this podcast. It would mean so much, especially to a small business. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I'll see you soon. Bye.